Welcome to the Rocky Messages Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers that want to know Jesus and love like him. If there's something today you'd like to hear more about, make sure to listen to our weekly podcast called Rocky Unscripted. This is where we take Sunday topics and go even further with conversation, research, and study. But for now, let's take a listen to this week's message. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Good to see everybody today. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And um, just so happens today, we're going to be talking about food. And dads, I know you know some things uh, about food. In fact, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been so hungry you were angry? Anybody here? You ever been so hungry, you got angry? You know, we call this being hangry. You know, this is kind of a, a word that's kind of come into our vocabulary the last couple of years. And um, ladies, you, you know a lot about that sometimes. But, you know, you just get so hungry, you get so focused on the fact that you're not eating food, or at least the food that you want to eat. And so you become emotional and irrational, don't you? I mean, I've, I've told people it's never good to be making major decisions in your life when you're hungry, because when you're hungry, all you're focused on is that food, and you tend to kind of not be aware of everything else around you. This happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was, I was watching uh, the, the, the NHL playoffs. I was watching the Colorado Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues. How about them abs, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Now, some of you just became hockey fans like three weeks ago. Welcome. We're, we're glad that you're, you're in. And some people have given me some heat on this um, because they're like, oh, man, you're a bandwagon fan. fan. And no, I'm not. And here's why. Because uh, in my middle school, high school years, I grew up uh, in, in Pennsylvania, very close to a town called Hershey, Pennsylvania. And Hershey is also famous because it makes a kind of food called chocolate. Okay. And so also there in Hershey, they have a hockey team, an AHL team. They're an affiliate team of the Colorado Avalanche. They're called the Hershey Bears. And so I used to go to the Hershey Bears games all the time uh, growing up as a kid, and we would watch those players, and then those players would get called up to the NHL, and they would play here in Colorado. In fact, growing up, you know, one of my, you know, dreams one day was like, man, if I could just somehow one day get to, you know, the Pepsi Center, that would be amazing. And so uh, then when, when God called me to Colorado, I was like, boom, ordained, right? I was supposed to be here. So anyways, um, I, I've been a Colorado fan my, my whole life, and so I'm watching the playoffs, and, and, and they're playing against the Blues, and it's about 8 o'clock, I'm watching the game, and all of a sudden something, it, it starts in my stomach, works its way up to my heart, and then it gets into my mind, and, and it was, my stomach was saying, bro, you need nachos. That's what you need right now. Your life would be better if you had some nachos. Now, here's the thing. I've been eating healthier this year, and uh, nachos at 8 o'clock at night is not on the eating plan. So anyways, I told my stomach, be quiet, okay? We're not doing that tonight. We already had dinner. You wait till the morning. I'm going to enjoy this game. Then about 8.30, uh, that, that, that thing crept in again, and it said, you know your life would be better if you had nachos. And I was like, you kind of right. You, you kind of right. And so I did that thing. And, and you, parents, you, you know you do this sometimes. But so I looked, you know, my girls, are, they're all watching the game. And, and my wife's there. And I said, hey, guys, uh, if, if dad, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm a servant. If dad went to the grocery store and got you some things from nachos and you can make nachos, would you like that? You know, and I want them to say yes, so then I can eat it, right? So that, you know, I, it wasn't for me, it's for them. And so, you know, I can run to the store and if I get, and I'm thinking if I can get to the store now, I can be back by the beginning of the third period and who cares about second period anyway. So I get to the third period and so they're all like, nah, we're good. <laughs> I was like, really? You, you would have liked some, nah, we're good, we're okay. 
Okay, so then, um, so then about 9.15ish, right, 9.15ish, I'm starting to get hangry. I'm starting to get hangry. I'm still having this discussion. I'm tired of having this discussion. It's too late now to go to the grocery store. I've done messed up, and so I've waited too long, and because your phone is always listening to you, I get a, a notification on my phone. Now, a couple weeks ago, I was in St. Louis officiating a wedding, and I was staying downtown, so I was using Uber quite a bit to get around town, and I don't usually use Uber, but I still have the app on my phone, and wouldn't you know it, about 9.15, Uber sends me a notification and says, hey, guess what? If you use our app, Uber Eats, we'll give you $30. And I was like, game on, okay? So I download the app, and you know who's, you know who's serving up some nachos at about 9.30? Taco Bell. And so I'm, I'm on the Taco Bell app, and I haven't had Taco Bell in years, okay? And so I'm on there, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, now my whole family's hungry. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm looking at Taco Bell. Taco Bell! And so here they come, and the girls are all excited. So guys, I'm telling you, I got chalupas. I got crunchy tacos. I got soft tacos. I- I've got nacho bel grande. I- I've got cinnamon twists. I mean, we are going nuts, because all I can think about is this food, and I order way too much food. And then we're watching you know, on the app, the driver. Like, we don't care about the game anymore. We're just focused on this food. And the food gets there with like five minutes left in the game, gets there at 10 o'clock at night, and we go nuts. I mean, we were eating like we hadn't eaten all day, and we're just pounding tacos, and I'm just, you know, eating everything. Chalupas are so good. So we're just eating all this stuff, and then we get done. And then at about 10.30, it didn't take long, about 30 minutes later, now my stomach is saying to me, why did you do that? What are you doing, man? And I'm going, you told me to do this, but I was so focused. And, and the reason why, the reason why two and a half hours before, the reason why I made the decision to order way too much food at Taco Bell, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, because that's all I could think about. And when you tend to be hungry, it is really hard to focus on just about anything else, isn't it? You know this. I mean, there's been moments in your life you've been so hungry and you've been so thirsty. And this is the language that Jesus will we'll use in Matthew chapter 5. And this is where we've been the last couple of weeks. And if you've missed out, but Matthew chapter 5 is is where Jesus is kind of on this mountainside. There's been a crowd that's been following him for a while. He's done some miracles. The word is out that something, you know, might be up with this guy. And so the crowd's following. Jesus goes up on this hillside and he essentially gives his most famous sermon, most famous message. And if you could sum it all up, he's kind of telling people, guys, look, there's a new kingdom and he's the king in the kingdom. and, And this is what it looks like to be a citizen in his kingdom. And he starts out with these beatitudes, these these statements that uh, by themselves, they create this tension. They don't go the way that you think they would. And and Jesus starts out every statement with the word blessed. He just kind of goes, look, you know, my kingdom, if you want to be blessed, this is how it works. This is, you know, this is the way you go. If you want to be blessed and you, you do this, you do this. And, And it's never quite what you think. And when it comes to food, Jesus does the exact same thing. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus, he leans in, he has another beatitude, and he starts out the same way. He goes, guys, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And we get that. That's, we, we know what it's like to be hungry and thirsty. But he goes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, not for food, not for Taco Bell at 10 o'clock at night, but those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's interesting. Righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because for those For those folks, they will be filled. They will be filled. Now, you you already know, Jesus isn't actually talking about like, 
you know, real, real food. This has been a spiritual conversation over the last couple of weeks, and this is no different. In fact, we use the phrase, you know, you know being hungry quite a bit. Dad, you get this in the context of sports. You see this tension sometimes. Professional athletes who, you know, they played in college and they went pro and then they got the really big contract. And, and sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes when those athletes get the big contract, they don't tend to play like they did when they were trying to get the contract. And so we have phrases like, yeah, he just doesn't seem that hungry. We're not talking about his physical appetite. Well, what we're saying is he doesn't seem to have that drive. It doesn't seem like he wants to put in the work like he was because now he got paid. This is why some of you love college sports more than professional, because those kids are not making millions of dollars. They tend to have a little bit more what we would call hunger. So Jesus leans in. He goes, look, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, not for, you know, touchdowns, not to score more points, not for Taco Bell at 10 o'clock at night, but those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. So it, Here's a good question. What is righteousness? What, what is Jesus talking about? Well, here's what you need to know. Righteousness is like the standard of living. It's perfection. Uh, you got to think of it like this. There's, there's the right way to live. That's righteousness. That's getting it right every single time. And the opposite of righteousness is sin. There's the right way and the wrong way. And, and the standard of righteousness, it, it was... It was put there by Jesus, who, who never experienced any guilt or shame or sin. He got it right every single time. And righteousness leads to good things in our life. In fact, in, in the book of Proverbs, it, uh, it, it says this about righteousness. Proverbs chapter 12, in the way of righteousness is life. That's the way you should go. And in the pathway thereof, there is no death. Righteousness is the right way. And the opposite of righteousness is the wrong way. That would be sin. That would be going in the opposite direction of how God would call you to live. If you grew up in church, you've heard some of the verses in Romans. And again, the opposite of righteousness is sin. In Romans chapter 6, it says, for the wages of sin is death. So there's the right way. There's the wrong way. There's the right way that leads to life. There's the wrong way that leads to death. And the standard, the standard of how to live was put there. Righteous living was developed, it was put into practice when Jesus appeared. Now, when I was growing up, I, I kind of thought righteous living had more to do with behavioral modification. It was this idea, like when I was growing up in church, I was just kind of looking around and, and I grew up in church, it just seemed like it was filled with perfect people. Their lives were always together. They sat in the same pew every Sunday. They were always happy. Now, as I grew up and became an adult, then I began hearing stories of what was happening outside of Sunday morning, and they weren't that perfect. But in the moment, I thought they were really perfect. And I was just kind of learning the rules, right? There was no cussing. There was no drinking. Um, you know, there was no going to watch rated R movies. There was a dress code that I was trying to figure out. In fact, I remember this one conversation I had with my mom. And I said, Mom, can I, can I just ask you a question? She's like, yeah. I said, hey, can you be a Christian and wear Tommy Hilfiger jeans? Because in the church I grew up in, you couldn't really rock major brands. If you did, you weren't a Christian. And the only brand you could really rock was like Spalding's from Kmart. You couldn't wear Nikes or Adidas or anything like that. And so I just, you know, mom, I'm just curious. I'm trying to figure, you know, and what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to figure out all the rules because I want to be good. I don't want to be bad. I want to be good. I at least, or at least I want to be good enough that people don't see my bad. You feel me? And so can you, so we can talk about clothes real quick. So I'm trying to figure out all the rules. This was my idea of righteousness or righteous living. 
Make good choices. Try to figure out what the rules are and follow them. And when you don't get it right, hide it. And just act like everything is good. But the more, you know, the older I get and you know, the, the, as I'm growing up and I'm reading more about Jesus and I'm digging into the scriptures, what I begin to realize that, is that I had it wrong. My idea of righteousness was, was wrong because the more I learned about Jesus, the more I learned that righteousness isn't about doing bad things. And this is the key for some of us. Righteousness isn't this idea of, of not trying to do bad things. Righteousness has everything to do with about pursuing Jesus and, and, and living like he Live. This is kind of the secret, you know, sauce that produces good works in your life. Because when you pursue Jesus, uh, Jesus begins to transform your heart. He begins to mold you into the kind of person that, that you're trying to be. And, and the pursuit of righteousness, what you're saying is, I want to become more like Jesus. This makes more sense in a lot of some of the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, that our righteousness actually comes from the work of Jesus comes from what he, had done, he has done for us on the cross. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, he, he backs this up, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he said this, God made him, talking about Jesus. So God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus is, is the one, he has set the standard. He is the one who produces righteousness for us, and here's why. Because Jesus is the only one who ever lived a perfect life, a, a guilt-free life, an obedient life, a sinless life. And the reason why this is such a big deal is because righteousness is required to enter the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus is talking about it in Matthew chapter 5. In fact, a couple of verses later in verse 20, Jesus says this, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And one, in one little sentence there, I mean, Jesus, he, he created so, so much havoc. None of you passed out, but people that were listening that day, they would have been confused out of their mind because the Pharisees were these religious leaders. And in that culture, they were considered to be perfect. They were righteous. They were followers of the law. Nobody was more religious than them. And so Jesus is, you know, in the midst of his sermon, and he's talking about righteousness, and he looks over to the religious people, I mean the perfect people. Everybody was trying to be like them. And he goes, look, you see those Pharisees? I was like, yeah. And he goes, and, and, and when it comes to righteousness, if your righteousness isn't, doesn't exceed theirs, you don't get into the kingdom. People are passing out, right? You know, the Pharisees, they're furious. Everyone else is going, are you kidding me? I mean, we got tax collectors. We got prostitutes listening. We got sinners there. And they're going, we, we can't even live to their standard. And you're telling me we got to somehow get above them. You can't get above them because those people are perfect. And in one sentence, Jesus just leans in, starts creating tension to everyone who's listening. Righteousness is required to enter the kingdom of heaven. Here's what he was saying. What he was saying was, look, none of you on your own are righteous. In order to be righteous, you'd have to get it right every single day for every day of your life. And these Pharisees over here, they get it right more times than not, but they're getting it right for the wrong reason. They're getting it right not for the glory of God, but for themselves. That's self-righteousness. That's the wrong kind of righteousness. Also, you may not know this, they're not perfect. On the outside, they look like they're perfect, but on the inside, they're a mess. 
And Jesus would keep coming back to that. In fact, a couple of chapters later, he says, when you pray, don't pray like the Pharisees. Because they go on the street corner, they pray in front of everybody, and they use these big words, and they seem so godly and all this. And Jesus goes, no, no, when you pray, you should go pray by yourself in a closet. Because then the Father will know your heart. And you'll know the reason why you're praying. Don't be like them. They're self-righteous. That's the wrong kind of righteousness. You need godly righteousness. You got to come to a conclusion that you will never be righteous on your own. And so you need to find someone else's righteousness and take it. You need to find someone who's going to offer you something that you need. Pure, godly righteousness. So Jesus leans in and he goes, look, either you have two choices. This is what he was saying 2,000 years ago. Same thing today. He goes, look, you have two choices. Either when it comes to righteousness with God, you can be perfect or you can find someone who will be perfect for you. That's your choice. You can either live perfectly or you're going to need to find someone who can live perfectly for you. This is the tension. Jesus would say over and over again, back to the Pharisees, guys, you don't get it. You keep acting like you don't need help, but you do. In fact, Jesus would say the tax collectors, hey, Pharisees, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they are ahead of you. They're entering the, in, into the kingdom of God first because they've already come to the conclusion in light of their mess, they will never be perfect. But you need to come to the same conclusion. You are not perfect either. Because even if you just get it wrong one time, one time, then your righteousness won't hold up. To pursue righteousness, as Jesus would say, is, is this idea to pursue Jesus. Uh, Timothy would, or excuse me, Paul would say like this to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. He would say this, Timothy, look, you have a choice to make here. Right way, wrong way, way that leads to life, way that leads to death. He goes like this, flee the evil desires of youth. That's the wrong way. But instead, I want you to pursue righteousness. I want you to get after the right way because pursuing righteousness is pursuing Jesus. So faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He goes, look, it matters to God why you do what you do. This isn't about behavior modification. This is about getting away from doing the wrong things and doing the right things for the right reasons. You pursue Jesus. Pursuing Jesus is pursuing righteousness because Jesus lived a life that was free of sin. Jesus goes, look, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who want more of Christ, because their hunger will be satisfied. So if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, just, just let me lean in a sec. If righteousness, if righteousness is the ultimate hunger and thirst quencher, and if we can't produce righteousness ourselves because none of us are perfect, and if righteousness is what makes us right with God, and if pursuing righteousness means pursuing Jesus, how come we don't spend more of our days being hungry and thirsty for Jesus? Like a hangry person. How come we don't give Jesus our best, our first? Now, I have a thought. I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks. And here, here's what I'm thinking. What if, what if the reason why we, we're not really that hungry or that thirsty is because we don't really know who we're pursuing. 
So if I ask you, okay, well, who is Jesus? I mean, there's a lot of answers to that question. Who is Jesus? Well, you know, he's the son of God. He, he's my friend. You know, he saved me. And that's all true. But Jesus has a lot of other titles in the New Testament. He's called the Messiah. He's called the Anointed One. He's called the Christ. He's called a King. And I think oftentimes we mistake the roles that Jesus plays with his authority and position. I'd say it like this. Save is what he does, but king is who he is. Saving is what he does. But he's a king. He is a king. And the reason why I think we forget, or the reason why we're not quite as hungry or thirsty, is because we forget the one who wants to meet with us. I mean, we, we kind of pursue Jesus in such a way like he's not a king. We pursue him in such a way like he's just a, a, another meeting on our calendar. It's another opportunity to get with somebody. And if we miss it, we'll just get with him tomorrow. But friends, the reminder is that kings are worshiped and kings are followed. You are accountable to a king. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus, you know, he's talking to his church. Essentially, his church is about to begin and he's about to ascend into heaven. And look, look what he says. He goes, and it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. I mean, this is after the crucifixion. He's come back from the dead and they see this guy who died and three days later rose again. And they go, this guy is the king. So they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, now look at this. You can only say this if you're the king. Jesus goes, look, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Me. That's pretty bold, isn't it? <laughs> Hey guys, if you were wondering, um, I have the most influence and power and authority anywhere. Anywhere, anywhere. Well, what about over there? Definitely over there. What about out in heaven? Yes, there too. I'm in, I'm in control of all things because I'm the king. Kings can do that. I, I, I am in charge. Hey, you guys are going to go out. You're starting this groundswell called the church. It's going to be crazy, but I want you to, you know, tell people about me. I want you to share stories. And if you ever get concerned or if you're ever worried that this thing isn't true, just remember this. I'm the king. And I have full authority over everything, everywhere. Okay, Jesus, what about that really powerful person over there? Even over them. So you've got all authority, all of it, because he's the king in his kingdom. And when you're the king in the kingdom, you can say whatever you want, and you can do whatever you want. And if he's the king, that means I'm not, and you're not. And the king wants to meet with you. The king wants you to be hungry for him. The king would desire for you to be thirsty for him. Next chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says this, but seek, but seek first his kingdom, not yours. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, because you'll need it. And all these things will be given to you as well. Now just think about this for a second. Jesus, he's the son of God. He, he puts into play the standard of righteousness, and yet even Jesus pursued righteousness. Even Jesus pursued the kingdom because Jesus would pursue the father. 
And sometimes we overcomplicate this. You could go, well, what does it look like for you and me to, to be hungry, right? To, to, to be thirsty for righteousness. And well, Jesus did it. Jesus pursued the Father. What would it look like? Well, there weren't a lot of steps. In fact, we can all start here. There's actually just two things that Jesus did like over and over and over again in his pursuit of righteousness. Even though he was the standard, he still pursued it in light of his relationship with the Father. And here's two things that he would do. One, he would get away. He would find a quiet place. He'd find a quiet place. And oftentimes his quiet place was dark. You want to know why? Because usually it gets quieter when it's dark. I don't know about you, for me, my, my house, it, it stays pretty active. Got four kids and there's coming and going, there's doors opening and closing. Parents, you get it. No one is quiet, gets quiet in my house like 9 p.m. And it stays quiet till like 7 a.m. And that little range is very, very quiet. And you know that oftentimes in, in our ranges of quietness, it's also dark. There's story after story where Jesus, he, when he got away, to find a quiet place, to pursue righteousness, to spend time with the Father, it was dark. It'd either be really late at night or really early in the morning. Sometimes the Bible says he would stay up all night because it was quiet. So here's step one. You just got to find a quiet place and you can't kid yourself. You can't lie to yourself. You know where your quiet places are. Jesus did. He went there often. You know where yours are as well. They're either going to be probably early in the morning or later at night. And then once he got to the place, he spent time with the Father. He prayed. He meditated. Sometimes he even fasted. But it was an important thing in his pursuit of righteousness. You can do the same thing. In fact, if you've never even like gotten to the scriptures before and you're like, listen, I, I'd like to pursue righteousness. I just don't know where to start. I mean, I got a Bible that you know, that my grandma's grandma gave me, but I've never opened it because I don't know what to do and all this. Listen, you could right now, if you're at one of our campuses after service, you can walk out. We've got this thing called the Pursuit Journal. It is designed to help you spend some time in the scriptures. You can grab that. We took all the excuses out. It costs 10 bucks. If you don't have 10 bucks, someone in our church will give you 10 bucks. Just start selling, yelling out there, I need 10 bucks. Someone's going to come give you 10 bucks. Then you buy that Pursuit Journal. You go, that's step one, right? Now you're ready to go. Step two, now you got to find the quiet place. And it might be a dark place as well, but you got to find it. You just got to own it. You got to get to it. And I'm just telling you, if you did this, I mean, if you just did this, you would be well on your way. But if you just found 30 minutes, just 30 minutes in your day that it was a quiet place that you could get to, and you just spent 20 minutes reading that pursuit journal and answering some of the question, and then you spent five minutes praying, and then just five minutes sitting there quietly seeing if God had anything for you, I'm telling you, your day would be better because you would be meeting with the king. A king who has all authority. Don't just think about this. If, it, if you were going to meet with somebody who, who was, you know, not, not a spiritual king, but maybe just someone on this earth who's got a lot of power, influence, or a famous athlete or actress or actor, just think about how you would act. If they called you tomorrow and said, yo, I'm in town. In Frederick? In Frederick. I'm going to be swinging by Taco Bell. You want to come by? And you'd be like, whoa. Yeah, what time? Won't be there by 1130. You're in. You would think about what you were wearing. You would make sure that you got there on time. You'd probably even get there early. Your whole day. You'd be thinking about it, I mean, till, till it happened. 
You be telling everybody. You be calling up your dad today. Be like, happy Father's Day. You won't believe what happened. So-and-so called me, and I'm meeting with them at Taco Bell tomorrow at 1130. Who? That famous athlete? Yeah. Why do they want to meet with you? I have no idea. But they called me. I mean, it would be the thing. It would be the only thing that you would be focused on. You'd be telling any, everybody about it before it happened, and you'd be telling everybody about it after it happened. And yet, the king who has all authority oftentimes, A, we never get to it. We never show up, or we show up late, or we're rushed, or we show up, but we're like, hey, I only got five minutes. I know you're the most powerful person in the world, but I only got five minutes. Gotta, gotta get going to the next thing. The king's sitting there going, okay. And he knows, as Jesus says, in his kingdom, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who are so hungry, that's all I can think about. It's the thing. You're so thirsty. Your day, you will never be satisfied until you take that drink. Jesus makes it so clear. I mean, there's no way to get out of this because all of us know what it's like to be hungry and all of us know what it's like to be thirsty. And he says in your pursuit of him, that's how it should be like. Jesus, I've been waiting for this all night. I couldn't wait to get up this morning because this dude is hungry. I haven't eaten for a while and this is like a buffet, so here we go. And we're eating and we're dining together. I don't want to move on from this too quick. I want to sit here with you and eat. Because I'm hungry. I want to drink with you. Because I'm thirsty. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for Jesus. Because that's where you will be filled. So if you're a church person, let me just ask you. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Not for food, not for a drink, but for Jesus. When's the last time you had a meal? And the reason why this is so important, come on, and especially if you're not a follower of Jesus, you've got to lean in here. Because Jesus will keep using this, this narrative of food. Because it's, it's helpful for us. We, we understand. We get it. We get it. Look what Jesus says. This is John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus leaning in here and says, Jesus said to them, he's talking to all kinds of people here. He says to them, look, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What is he talking about? Here's what he's saying to all these people who are trying to figure out who he is. He goes, listen, guys, you may not know that this is the story that's going on in your life, but, but, but we all have this in common. So just hear me out. If you're not a follower of Jesus, just listen for a sec. See if it makes sense. This is a discussion that Jesus had 2,000 years ago with people who didn't believe he was who he said he was yet. He, he said to them, look, guys, you're hungry. You, you may not know that's the conversation. You, you might not be able to use those words, but this is what's really going on because your soul is craving something from the inside. You can't quite figure it out, but you just know, and you're trying to satisfy it. And what Jesus says is, what that thing is, is a right relationship with God. Righteousness. And he's saying to the people, look, you're hungry and you keep trying to have meals, but they don't satisfy, does it? You try to eat more money, doesn't work. 
You try to find it in relationships, doesn't satisfy. Maybe if I have more sex, not there either. Maybe if I had more power, no. If I could just get that job title, it ain't it. If I could just live in that house, doesn't work. Maybe if I just drove that car, still nothing. Jesus goes, you know why? Because your soul is hungry for righteousness. And you just can't figure it out. Some of you even trying to, you know, you got it wrong this week, you're going next week, I'm gonna get it right. Still got it wrong. Okay, I got it wrong in this relationship, but next time I'm gonna make the right decision and you don't. Next time I get to this kind of fork in the road, I'm gonna go left and not right. You still go right. He just goes, you know what that is? Your soul is hungry. And he would get in front of people and he would just go, are you hungry? And people go, well, of course, we're hungry. Are you thirsty? People go, yeah, we're thirsty. John chapter four with the Samaritan woman at the well. She's there to get a drink at noon and Jesus goes, are you thirsty? And she's like, duh. He goes, well, if you ask me for a drink, I'll give you a drink that'll satisfy you for eternity. She goes, well, pour it. And Jesus goes, you're looking at it. He'd say to people, you hungry? They go, yeah. And they go, where's the meal? You're looking at him. You wanna know why he can say that? Because he's the king in his kingdom. And he is the standard righteousness. See, in this life, we all have a decision to make. One, are you the king or not? See, you can only be the king if you never got it wrong. And the first step is this, to come to a place where you go, I, I, I've got some things wrong. Great. That means your relationship with God is broken. And for that to be restored, you need somebody to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. And that's called righteousness. Jesus went to the cross and he looks at all of us and he says, I'll take it. I'll take your messed up righteousness and I'll make it right so that your soul can be satisfied forever. And he goes to the cross and he dies for your sins. This is what Peter says, first Peter. I mean, the first pastor in a local church, you know, this was his platform. Look what he says, first Peter chapter two, talking about Jesus, he himself, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for what? Righteousness. Because by his wounds, not your wounds, by his wounds, you have been healed. This is the beautiful story of Jesus. Offering his life, his righteousness for your mess ups. Every time you got it wrong, Jesus goes, don't worry about it. I got it right. And for those of us who would come to the conclusion that we need his righteousness, Jesus says, you will never be hungry or thirsty again. Church people, let me ask you. If Jesus is the source of your salvation, and if he's calling you and me to pursue him like a hungry person, because we know the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we get it right, the more we become like him. Let me just ask you, let me get after him. In the same way when you're hungry, that's the only thing you could think about. When you're so thirsty because you haven't had a drink in so long, all you can think about 
It's how that cool drink satisfy you. The king, the king wants to meet with us. We should make it a priority to meet with him, to meet with him. If you don't know Jesus this morning and you'd like to have a conversation about what it looks like to follow him, our care teams will be down front. I'm telling you, you could walk out today full, full. Spiritually speaking, you can be full. It's where many of us have already kind of had that meal years and years ago. Walking around trying to figure out why is there nothing satisfying. And this guy Jesus shows up and he goes, I got something that'll change your life forever. And church people, let's not forget who we're meeting with. Let's get excited and amped up. Let's be a church filled with people that got time to meet with the king this week. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray you'd help us this morning to be reminded about who you are you are the one who has saved us and you are also the king who has all authority in heaven and earth and I pray that we would be the citizens in your kingdom that would be wowed that the king is asking for a meeting with us not for your benefit but for ours that we might show up hungry and thirsty to become more like you that we would see we haven't arrived yet. And even though we are repping your righteousness, we still get it wrong. We don't boast in our own glory. We meet with you to worship you and to thank you for who you are and what you've done on our behalf. And I pray this morning for anybody who has ears to hear, that they might see you in all your fullness, a perfect God, would send his righteous son who would go and die on a cross to take care of the righteousness for us so we we boast this morning not in our work but in the work of Christ we're thankful that we have a right relationship we didn't buy it we didn't earn it you gave it so we thank you we thank you for being a good dad we thank you for your son and it's your name we 